Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love the word, don't you? Turn with me to Romans chapter 4 tonight. One of my favorite places to go in the Bible. Romans chapter 4. Awesome uh, passage here, beginning in verse 16, about faith. And then I'll introduce, while you're turning, what we're going to talk about tonight. And um, a a, a week or so ago... um, as I was just praying and meditating and fellowshipping with the Lord, a little phrase came up in my heart. And I know that happens to you. It happens to all of us. And this little phrase came up in my heart. And the phrase was this, strong in faith. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. And we're fixing to read uh, where that comes from here in Romans chapter 4. But as I thought about strong in faith, I, I said to the Lord and I said in my heart, I said, God, I want to be strong in faith. I want to be stronger in faith. I I, I believe that there's a certain amount of strength already there, but I want to be stronger in faith, and I want to be strong in faith. And like Pastor said, we're going to have to walk by revelation this next year. The longer Jesus tarries, the more we're... Hallelujah. Praise God for grace abounding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, I believe we need to be strong in faith. And you know, you really can't test how faith, how strong your faith is without having a crisis. So none of us really want to test it and see if we're strong in faith. I don't want to test it. Do you tonight? It's like, we don't want to test this, but I just want to be there. I, know, I want to be there so if the trouble ever comes. The Bible says in the world you will have tribulation. Not you might have, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. And so it's not a matter of if you're going to have to overcome some things. It, you will have to overcome some things. Hallelujah. And so... Um, <clears throat> And, of course, there's lots of stuff we can do to to make that a minimum, to minimize that. There's many things we can do. But, you know, there is this world out there to overcome. And it's a daily overcoming. You know, we have to be on our spiritual guard. We were talking with our friends last night, Wayne and Theresa from Memphis. They came to the house, and we were talking with them how uh, just... uh, uh, boy, we have to be listening all the time and directing. Uh, and pa- uh, Brother Wayne was talking about how he, he teaches Sunday school there uh, in the in Memphis in in the, and does sometimes preaches for the pastor in the church there. It's a Rama church, and uh, he had been teaching on uh, listening to the Holy Ghost and obeying the Holy Ghost, the promptings, and being sensitive. And we really have to to, to do that. And so one of the ladies in his class uh, lives, you know, Memphis is a horrible town. I mean, you hate to say that, but it is like, it is up there with Chicago and New York. Like two days ago, I heard it on the news, just crime rate is just out of sight. It is just, they, they said there's a resurgence of gangs in Memphis. And it's just a, it is a treacherous place to live. And uh, uh, they've had, Wayne said they had 147 murders this year. And I said, well, my word, they've had 100 in Birmingham. So something like that, I think we've heard on the news. So anyway, um, uh, but anyway, so this woman went home, and I think she lived in a, you know, a, pa- a bad, a worser, a worser, a worse part of town, a worse, I don't know, it was not a good part, but she lives in that part of town. Sometimes we live in places that are dangerous, you know. And so when she pulled into her garage, the Lord, uh, the Holy Ghost said, 
and she always goes in the door of her garage, you know, into the kitchen or however it does. And the Holy Ghost said, uh, go in the front door. And she had left, I don't understand all of this, but she's a caregiver of her mother and her mother has Alzheimer's or something. And so she had locked her in the bedroom. I don't understand that. I'm not judging that. But anyway, so anyway, she went in the front door and the back door was open, busted open. And so she went and checked and the woman was fine that she cared, gave to. And so she called the police. And when the police came, they found a butcher knife this long. That man was waiting for her. And when she went in the front door, it scared him off. And he had, it was a butcher knife that long laying out there in the garage where he ran out. He ran out the door. She did not go in. And so, hallelujah. So we need to listen to the Holy Ghost, don't we? And so she was, <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Not, 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 kind of, that's scary, but if we listen to the Holy Ghost, we're safe. Hallelujah. We are safe. And so I want to be strong in faith, don't you? And so I asked the Lord, I said, show me some ways, and you know, that I can be stronger in faith. And so, and I got this for me. I didn't get this for you, but I'm going to share it with you, okay? And he's, I wanted the Lord to show me some ways. And of course, we know a lot of things. And so I think he showed me things that, that I could do, I could improve on. Is what, and so I'm not going to give you every little thing that you can do to be strong in faith, okay? But I will tell you this, and, and, and this is, I, I, believe that, I believe this is to be true. Uh, you know, we've been having Holy Ghost meetings this year. I love the move of the Holy Ghost. I love Pentecost. I love speaking in tongues. I love praying in tongues. I love people getting slain in the Spirit. I love to dance and run and jump and all that, but that's not what makes you strong in faith. It's just, that's not what does it. And, uh, and, and the whole purpose of those kind of meetings and people coming in and getting that touch of heaven and getting slain in the spirit and, and you know, and get up and hold, set them up again and, and stand them up again and stand them up again. And the whole purpose of getting them saturated with God is one thing is for them to have a connection with God. Maybe they've never felt the power of God, but ultimately it's that they would connect to the word of God. And if they never connect with the Word of God, then that was fruit that failed. I mean, and we do our best. We try to get them here and all that kind of stuff. But if all they get is that, get up, stand them up. Now, the, the good part, and, and I'm not trying to be negative, is, is once God's touched you, you know, some people got to go clear to the bottom in their life before they wake up. And so once God's touched them, when they get to the bottom or get a little further down, closer to the bottom, they'll wake up maybe one day and say, well, you know, God touched me and I remember him touching me. And so there's good things in that and God can bring that seed back around. But, but you know, bottom line is they got to connect with the word. Do y'all agree? And so uh, we got to be strong in faith. And I want to be stronger in faith. And so God gave me some things. Let's read here in 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law. But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. Now if you're not understanding what that's saying. Because the King James kind of you know. Uh, however it says it. And sometimes makes it not real clear to us. But what it's saying is that everything in God. You get 
get it by faith. And the reason God set it up that way, he told us the reason he set it up to work by faith is he wanted it to be sure to all the seed. In other words, he wanted everybody to be able to access it. He didn't want just the promises of God to only be able to go to the children of Israel, to the Jews, to the, those that were of the law. Because we would have been left out. We wouldn't have been qualified. You were not Jews. Hallelujah. I don't believe there's any Jews here. And so we would have gotten left out. So he wanted it to be sure to all the seed, not to that only, which is, was of the law. But to, to he, so, he, so everything is appropriated by faith. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, talking about Abraham here, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. That's where that phrase, that phrase comes from. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so he was strong in faith there in verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Number one thing, the first thing the Lord said to me is, you know, if you want to be strong in faith, one of the ways to get there is to give glory to God. It says right there, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. All day, every day, giving glory to God strengthens your faith. Now, it doesn't bring faith. We know faith doesn't come that way. That when we were born again, we received the faith of, of God. But it, it strengthens our faith when we give glory to God all day, every day, in every situation, every circumstance. It strengthens us. Why? Why, does it, why it strengthens us is this, because in order for us to give glory to God, we have to rise up above our, over our present circumstances. We have to rise up over what's going on that day. I mean, if everybody at work is acting yucky, we have to rise up over it in order to give glory to God. You know, if we have pain in our bodies to, in order to give glory to God, we have to rise up over that. Because I don't know about you, but when you're in pain, you don't want to. So, so it strengthens our faith for us to rise up over these things. We have to rise up over feelings of sadness or discouragement. It makes you strong in faith when you rise up over feeling discouraged and you give glory to God. You know, when you rise up over being sad and you give glory to God. It makes you strong in faith. When you yield to those things, discouragement and sadness, it weakens your faith. It weakens you. Um, you, you. It will make you strong when you rise up over the bad report. Somebody gives you the bad report. The doctor or the, the accountant. Hallelujah. Or your boss. You know, we're going to have layoffs or whatever. You, when you give glory to God, you have to rise up over that. It strengthens you. Um, so, um, it, 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 you know, there's a lot of scriptural basis is that we can find for this. One of the things is in Psalms it says that praise stills the avenger, you know, stops the devil. Uh, Psalm 9 verse 2 
in the Amplified, I love this. I want to read this to you because the Holy Ghost pointed this out to me this week uh, or last week. I don't know. I've been reading in two places in the Amplified Bible. I've been reading through the Psalms and I've also been reading uh, in Corinthians. So uh, I like this. And this is, this is strong faith. He says, I will rejoice in you and be in high spirits. I will rejoice in you and be in high spirits. And several times in the Psalms it says it that way. I will rejoice in you and be in high spirits. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You know, deciding to glorify God, give glory to God, deciding I will praise you and I will be in high spirits. That makes, you, that makes you strong in faith. And you know, if you say, I'm not in high spirits, well, we can decide to be. I'm not in the Christmas spirit. Well, decide to be. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just decide to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So um, that's one of the things the Lord showed me to start doing. Another thing he showed me to do is, uh, and I, you have to do this, and he's just reminding me of it. It's not like I never did this before, but he's reminding me that we continually need to do this, is decide to believe the word. You know, circumstances come, and you have to decide, am I going to believe this circumstance, or am I going to believe the word? You know, and you have to decide to believe the word. And there in Romans 4, where we're at in verse 20 and 21, look at Abraham's faith. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God. So, you know, the promise of God sounded too good to be true, too big, because the Lord had said, you know, you're going to be the father of many nations, and they're barren. You know, they had no children. And so it was, uh, he didn't stagger or say, oh, well, I don't know about that, you know. He staggered not at the promise of God uh, through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He decided to believe the promise. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. We have to be right there in verse 21. We have to be, we have to decide, I'm just fully persuaded that what God's promised, he's able also to perform. And I don't, you know, uh, there's facts, and the doctor will tell you facts, the, 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 the accountant will tell you facts, the banker will tell you facts. Uh, a lot of people, your, your daddy will tell you facts. Have you, has anybody ever had your parents tell you facts? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, even, you know, and, uh, but your, your, your mama will tell you facts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes men, your wife will try to tell you the facts. You know, she may be having a, 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 a day where she's not exactly what you call in faith. But uh, we have to decide, no, I'm not going to stagger at the promise of God. The facts may say this, but, but I've chosen uh, to believe that I'm, full, I'm fully persuaded that what God promised, he's able to perform. And so I'm going to go with truth over fact. I'm going to go with truth over fact. You have six weeks to live. Well, I'm going to go with 1 Peter 2.24. You know? Well, uh, you know, you may have to de declare bankruptcy. Well, I'm going to go with my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to go with that. Hallelujah. And truth is going uh, to override the facts. Now, that's Abraham's faith we just read about. But if you look over in John 20, John 20, 
um, and you know this, but we'll look at it just the same. I want you to look at a different kind of faith. And, you know, we want to be uh, like our father Abraham. We want to have his kind of faith. John 20, verse 25, this is Thomas's faith. He said, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. That is the most horrible words right there. I will not believe. That's deciding, y'all. That's taking your will. You've been given a will. And that's taking your will and saying, I will not believe. And Abraham took his will, and he said, Well, I've just decided that God is able to perform that which he's promised. So I will believe. Amen. And so we, 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 we face those things. I will believe. I will not believe. No. I will believe. Hallelujah. So deciding. And you have to do this over and over again. Because every time you're confronted with a new set of circumstances, you're going to have to decide. I will believe the word. Amen. I will. Uh, you know, I will believe the word. Number three. And the Lord been talking to me about this a lot. Have the word in your heart. And you say, well, I, I got the word in my heart. Well, have it there until it overflows. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16. The Lord's talking to me about this. These are things I know. These are things that I, I didn't just learn them from the word, but I've experienced these things. I know what it feels like to be here. And so, and I know how good it feels to have the word in your heart, overflowing in your heart. And there's a difference between being, oh man, I'm revved up, we're in revival, and having the word overflowing in your heart. There's a difference, you know. Um, in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Say, I let, I let the word dwell in me richly. So letting the word of God dwell in you richly. And you know, you can tell when you have the word of God in you until it overflows. You can tell when the word is dwelling in you richly. Because if, you're not, if the word's not dwelling in you richly, you'll be running kind of lean. And you know, cars don't run too good when they're running too lean. I don't know a lot about that, but I've heard Pastor refer to it. But you can tell. Uh, the way you can tell is uh, if the word's dwelling in you richly, is you're going to be singing. You're going to, you, and maybe you're not a singer, but you'll be, you'll be glorifying God. You'll be saying, praise God. Well, thank you, Jesus. Glory. You'll be, you'll be saying scripture. It'll just be coming out of you. You'll be speaking faith confessions. Confessions. With, I mean, even when you don't need to speak them, you know, not just, well, man, gosh, I've got pain in my body, so I'm saying I'm healed. No, you'll be saying them just when you're just trying, thank God I'm healed. Thank God by his stripes I was healed. First Peter 2, you know, it'll just be coming out of you. In fact, that's what Colossians 3.16 says. If you read on down, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
You'll have wisdom if the Word of God's dwelling in you richly. You won't be wandering around saying, I just don't know what to do. I just, we, I just don't know what God wants me to do. No, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. This stuff will just be naturally coming out of you as you progress through your day as the, as the Word of God is dwelling in you richly. Now, I've been there when nothing was flowing. And I've been there when it was flowing. And, and so, so if, you, if nothing's flowing out of you, uh, 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 you're low on the word. If you haven't made the correlation yet, when you feel dry spiritually, you're low on the word. When, no, when, when, when you don't have any praise, you come to church and you don't feel like praising, you're low on the word. It's not dwelling in you richly. When you go to pray and it's just like, uh, uh, you know, and you just seem like you can't get going, can't get anything done. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, sometimes you have a million interruptions and all those kind of things. But, you know, you, you've got, you're there, you're, you're, you're going through the motions, but nothing. You're low on the word. You don't, the word's not dwelling in you richly. When the word's dwelling in you richly, I found this in myself. I don't have any trouble praying. It just, it just comes a bubbling up out of me. I don't have any trouble praising. In fact, I'll be just a singing and without even thinking about it. I'm singing a song. Something's coming to me, a, you know, a praise song or something. And, you know, just, I'm just, and I'll, or I'll just be walking through the house and just praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. That just bubbles up naturally. You know, Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so sometimes we take that to mean, okay. If I hide God's word in my heart, I won't want to go out and commit sin. And that's true. It works that way. It will, it, the word of God hidden in your heart, heart is a deterrent to sin. But if you ever thought about it from the perspective of Romans 14, 23, which says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so if I get the word in my heart, hallelujah, I'm going to have faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to have this flow. I'm going to have this overflow. Uh, John 15, 7 says, uh, if, my, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it'll be done for you. So it, it's not going to be hard to pray if the word of God is abiding in you. You're just going to be, you're going to be asking, and you're going to know what to ask. Because you, and you know, sometimes we'll say, what do you do? Well, I, you don't get condemned, go tank up. And I found it doesn't take a lot to stir my faith back up because I've got the word in there, but I just need to stir. And so, you know, I can get stirred up reading my little, the little book I just talked about. I can get stirred up by making those scripture confessions. I have two or three books with scripture confessions and I can just start speaking those words and planting those back in my heart and stir up what's already in me. Amen. And sometimes we just need to take a morning or a day and we need to just soak in the Word. We can't do that every day. You can't soak every morning, but you can soak some days. And you know, we, you know sometimes it's just we need to take the time to, to not go to the mall on a Saturday and soak in the Word all morning. And then what's the goodness of God is He always helps us get done what we needed to get done because we spent time with Him. You know, one of the things we learned a long time ago is God makes you efficient. And when you're, not, when you're not operating with God, you're not efficient. You go to the grocery store and forget what you went for or miss one thing, have to make another trip. 
because you're not operating in efficiency because you're not, you're not dwelling. The word of Christ is not dwelling in you richly. So take the time. I wish I could soak every day, but I can't. Some days I got to come to the church and pay the bills. Amen. Now I soak a little every day, but, I, but sometimes I got to have an extended period of time. You need to take some opportunities in the Christmas holidays, if you have any time off, to spend some time soaking in the Word of God. You say, well, I don't even know where to start. We'll start with a book and, 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 and read a little, pray a little. Read a little, pray a little. Read a little, pray a little. You know, I just, I just go back and forth and in and out and hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, number four, don't let your heart condemn you. Now, this may surprise you, but if you're going to be strong in faith, you've got to get over this thing of your heart always condemning you. Turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Now, you know, sometimes we think it's the devil that's giving us a problem where condemnation is concerned, but a lot of times it's not the devil. Sometimes it is. And we can get rid of him fast, but the one person that's hardest to get rid of, of is you. And it's your own heart condemning you. First John chapter 3, verse 21. I learned this. I, I, I learned this and it helped me when I learned it. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Now it doesn't talk about the devil. If the devil don't condemn you. No, it's if your heart doesn't condemn you. Then have you confidence towards God. In other words, you're going to be strong in faith if your heart's not condemning you. And whatever you ask, you receive of him because you keep his commandments. Do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You've got to get control of your heart. See, if you were raised in religion, your heart's going to be always condemning you. I promise. I'm, I'm just staggering around. If, you're, if you were raised in religion, you've heard so much condemnation. Because in religion, and, and a lot of it's just about they want some people to walk up to the front. So the pastor's ego can get stroked. And so he can say, well, 20 was in the heart. And so they just hammer sometimes on people trying to get them to repent. And, you know, finally, if I hammered on y'all here long enough tonight, I could get y'all all under conviction and y'all would start slinging snot and bawling and squalling and, and repenting for things you don't even know if you did. <laughs> you would. Uh, and I could say, oh my, we had a mighty harvest tonight. 20 people came to the altar and repented. But I don't want to put you under condemnation. I want you to be strong in faith. And, 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 and you've got to take charge of your heart. And you've got to say, no. You know, if, you've been cleansed by the blood. That's what the Word says. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. And the blood was enough. Hallelujah. And we don't need to live under this cloud of condemnation. And it weakens our faith. And it causes not to have confidence when we go to pray. And, and, and what happens is, uh, and you know, if you really get down to it, this just goes back to believing the Word. Just believing that, uh, you know, when I repented, I was forgiven. Hallelujah. You know, some people just have no confidence in the blood of Jesus. And they'll go and ask the Lord to forgive them. And then, you know, then they just don't, they still feel condemned. That's your heart condemning you. Sometimes the devil gets in there with your heart. And condemnation is a faith killer. And so when I feel condemnation, and, and you know, the, 
I, I, I rebuke the devil. I say, no, devil, I ain't receiving your condemnation. And you know if it's him, it's over. He's gone. I say Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. And I've repented, and so this is over. We're not talking. And you know, like one preacher said, you need to tell the devil, this is not between me and you, this is between me and God, so you need to get out of here. Your sin is not any of the devil's business. You, you are bought with a price. It's, you are God's. He wants to correct you about something. He don't need the devil to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, and then you need to tell your heart to shut up too. And you say, heart, you're not condemning me. Heart, you're going to believe the Word. The Word says I've been forgiven. The Word says if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to cleanse me from my sin. And so I'm not walking and living under condemnation. So heart, you just might as well line up. And don't let your heart keep you, keep you down and keep you weak and keep you a baby Christian all your life. Amen. Now, number five. This is what the Lord showed me to, 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 to just get reinforced in my life all the time, really, on this one. Know and be established in your believer's authority. And we have to keep ourselves established in the fact that we have authority. Constant renewal that we've been given authority over the devil. Colossians, Colossians, Colossians 2.15 says, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The devil's defeated. The Bible says we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are high and far above him. Amen. And we have authority. And, we, and so we, we have to constantly renew ourselves and read where we have dominion, where we have authority, where Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, go ye therefore. Hallelujah. You have been given authority. And, and we keep ourselves refreshed in this, and it keeps our faith strong. Keeps our faith strong. And, and one of the things the Lord brought up to me in, in relations to this is if you want the devil to respect your authority, and he's supposed to, then you need to respect authority. You need to respect the offices, the, the five-fold ministry offices. Offices have been set in the church. Even when a minister does something you don't like or don't agree with, maybe a minister got into sin. But, but we, we were taught when we first came into the Spirit-filled movement, we weren't taught anything as a Baptist. I want to tell you, most Baptists, if they're like our Baptist church, totally disrespect the office of pastor. Church of Christ, totally disrespect the office. They don't even call them pastors there. You always look at a Church of Christ sign, it'll always say minister. It will not say pastor. And uh, they, the total disrespect for the offices uh, and deacons hiring and firing and... Uh, Oh, it, it, whew, there's going to be some answering to one day. But anyway, we don't have that here. But anyway, uh, so that's just free. <laughs> but anyway, you need to respect the offices, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You need to respect, you don't need to, you don't need to call him anything but pastor. I'm telling you, he's not buddy. He's not, he's not Mr. Michael. I, I mean, I can say things to him you can't say. I called him the other day. I, I said, we're going to call this uh, driving Mr. Daisy. <laughs> I called him Mr. D you can't say that. Even jokingly. Even if you just mean it as a joke, you can't go there. 
You got to have a respect for the office. He stands at the president of the United States. We need to respect the office. Governor Riley, you may just totally dislike the president. You may totally have dis, but he is the, he is standing in an office that God, God invented the office. God said, and God said he couldn't have got there if God didn't let him go. He could not have gotten there. And may, well, we don't have a clue why God wanted Bill Clinton. But he wanted him there. Well, Billy Brim says that the reason Bill Clinton won is because George Bush, first George Bush, treated the Jews badly and made them have peace talks with terrorists. And, and, that, and then, like, the next day, his house at Kenny Buckport got blowed away. And you can read the book if you want to know all the details of it. But that's how he got there the first time. How he got there the second time, I don't know. But anyway, respecting those and, and, and uh, what you do and what you, what you speak to them. And you know, it's not necessarily what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. If pastor asks you to do something, it's not just, no, I don't think so. I don't think I feel led. Your attitude when pastor asks you to do something, even if you don't do it, should be, oh God. You should be like, pastor, I am so sorry, but I have a, I, I, I've got I'm so sorry, but ask me next time. That how, that's how you should be. Now, I'm telling you honest. Let me tell you something else. Business owners, business owners, they have an authority because they own that business. And I mean, I, I, I had a talk with a lady not in this church the other day, and they had kind of pulled a trick on a business owner here in town. And uh, what had happened is the man had called and got a price for something from this business owner. And he had given him a price. Well, that man decided that that price was a little high. So he had her secretly call and see what price he would say to her. Well, he gave it to her for $150 less. But let me tell you something. Oh, and they were furious at him. But he has authority. If he wants to, if I want to charge you, if I own the business, I want to charge you one price, you one price, you one price, you one price, and I want to triple it for you. That is my right. Your right is never to trade with me again, but you don't have a right to disrespect a business owner in this town or any other town. And we got to stay under authority and respect people that are in authority. Of course, the law enforcement, that goes without being said. Amen. But people think that they have a right to get in the flesh. And certainly we need to go through proper channels if we have dishonest uh, policemen or dishonest you know, people in authority, we need to report it. We need to go through the proper channels. I don't call the FBI, do anything you want to, but stay, in, stay respectful to the office that they stand in. And God will honor you. And the devil will respect your authority because you're in respect to authority. Teachers, you know, hallelujah. You know, it's like somehow we've gotten this thing in America that we all have a say-so about everything. And we do have a say-so like in stores, we have a say-so never to go back. You know, Willie George used to say about churches, people vote with their feet. You know, if you want to take, that's the way to vote. And that's an okay way. Uh, it's, I mean, it's okay if it's okay. It's okay with us. It's okay with God for you. You have to obey him. Wives, their husbands, that husband stands in an office. You need to be careful what you say to him. And I can say this from experience. I hadn't always done this. But if I want the devil to respect my authority, and I do, then I need to respect the, the office that my husband stands in, which he's the head of the house. 
And I'll tell you something, husbands need to respect the office that their wives stand in. Like, for instance, let me give you an example. Let's just say she's, a, uh, she's, she's in a position of authority. Let's say in a, um, maybe she's a, well, let me think what she could be. Oh, uh, help me, Jesus. Maybe she's a, a police officer or something. Well, he don't have the right to go where into, into her place of authority, like into the police station. Maybe she's the chief of police. He, can't, he didn't have the right to go into her police station because she's the authority there and bless her out because then he's violating her office. If he blesses her out in front of the people that she's over, that's wrong. And so we stay in our places of authority. Okay, number six. I'm going fast. Be strong in righteousness. If you have any questions about that other stuff, we'll just ask the Lord and he'll tell you. Be strong in righteousness. Isaiah 54, verse 14. If we're going to be strong in faith, we've got to be strong in righteousness. You never saw a strong faith person that wasn't strong in righteousness. Now, most places, righteousness isn't even taught. I was never taught that I was righteous. Gosh, we were taught that we were sorry. No good. Uh, sinners. Uh, saved by grace, but we were taught. I actually remember, I've, I remember very little of anything I ever learned in Sunday school. But I actually remember being taught in junior high or high school, I think it was junior high, that, that humility was when you prayed telling God how unworthy you were, how horrible you were, and if you would tell him you were unworthy and you were bad and you weren't worth his love and wasn't worth his salvation, then you were humble. And so we're taught those things, and it gets in us. And, uh, but the only way to be strong in faith is to be strong in righteousness. Verse 14, in righteousness shalt thou be established. If you want to be established and strong in faith, you, it's, it's in righteousness. You know, pastors told me before, because as I was believing for healing in the past and stuff, you know, it was just like I was on this quest of studying healing, studying healing, studying healing. Oh, God, I was just oh, healing scriptures, healing scriptures over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That can get into works, actually, if you just really get down to it. And pastor just said to me one day, he said, he said, Debbie, you don't need to know more healing scriptures. You need to get, you need to go to the righteousness scriptures. You know what I'm saying? So it's not more faith we need. A lot of times it's more confidence many times in who we are in Christ. Established in righteousness. He said, if you'll be in righteousness, shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Hallelujah. For thou shalt not fear. And if you have any fear, then you need to be more established in righteousness. I know I need to be more established in righteousness. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. If you're afraid, you know, if that even, the while ago I told you about the butcher knife. If that made you afraid, if fear came up, then you need to get established in righteousness, who you are in Christ, because that establishing in righteousness is what's going to drive out fear. Amen? Uh, let me talk to you about this concerning righteousness. Uh, if you will get established in righteousness, and if I get established in righteousness, then you'll start to have confidence in your prayers. We got a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ that are always trying to get somebody else to pray the prayer of faith for them. 
always trying, and I'm not, ta I'm not talking about don't come up for prayer because I believe we strengthen one another. I believe that there's, um, there's impartation in the laying on the hands. There's uh, anointing that's transferred. I think we should, but, but if you have to have somebody for every time you need to pray and you don't ever, you, if you can't pray yourself and have confidence it's done, then you need to get established more in righteousness. Um, number seven, Hallelujah. The Lord showed me this. If I want to be strong in faith, he said, Debbie, don't yield to weak things. Well, what are some weak things? Well, the ones he talked to me about, I'm sure there's more, and he'll have to tell you what. But he said, don't yield to worry, because worry is a weak thing. It's a weak thing. It's weak. when I mean, And so don't yield to it. It's going to try to come, but don't yield to it. Whining. Whining is a weak thing. And however you want to call whining, complaining, murmuring, uh, you know, pity party. There's lots of ways to say it, but just whining around is yielding to weakness. Pastor's always getting on to me, don't yield to weakness. Not often, but he, he has reminded me of that. And, you know, I will say this, you know, one good thing that's come out of this situation is, I was yielding to weakness in a lot of ways. I found out I can pick stuff up that I would make him pick up. I can move stuff that I would say, would you move that chair for me? Now I just go over there and move it, you know. Because now I, he's not supposed to move anything for a while, for a few days. And so, found out I could do a lot of stuff. Don't have Colin, don't have Eric. So, to, to do it every time and I want it done so I can do it. But in that just proves I was yielding to weakness. Instead of just doing it, I was going back to his office and saying, could you come up here and move this for me? Hallelujah. Y'all are laughing, but some of you might be yielding. Talking the problem is a weak thing. If you have to tell everybody about every detail, and then you get on the phone, and you tell your sister, and you, then you tell your mother, and then you tell Aunt Bessie, and you know, that's weak. That is so weak. And quit yielding to that. You, really, you need to put mother and your sister and Aunt Bessie, unless they're in this, I'm not saying in this church, unless they're faith people. Put them on a need-to-know basis. What they don't need to know, don't tell them. Hallelujah. Because they're going to pull your faith down. Now, if they're faith people and get in there with the word with you, and they're saying, bless God, we're not receiving that. And, and but if, oh, you know, you know how it is. Just tell him, oh, you know, and pastor, I had to remind him that when he was on drugs. He didn't say no to drugs when he was in the hospital. And his mother got him on the phone one day when he still had some of that morphine in him. And he was like telling her stuff when he got off the phone. I said, you put your mother on a need-to-know basis. And he said, you're right, you're right, you're right. But that, that you know, he, he, was, he was telling the nurses things. He told one nurse, he said, you got a, uh, did you bring me a cookie when she came in? And she said, no. And he said, don't come back without one. And, I mean, he was, he was, now he didn't say anything really bad, but that was, you know, that, those drugs, you've got to watch out for them. Amen. Now he's going to put me on a short chain if I don't shut my mouth. Uh, don't yield to those drugs. <laughs> Isaiah 41.10. <laughs> That's why I won't let them give me gas at the dentist's office. I will not take gas. 
I mean, not because of, I just do, I don't, you know me, I got to be in control. And it's like, I don't want to get out. And you know, some people just love that stuff. It's like, can't wait to get there and get it. And just, well, I'm like, I ain't taking that gas stuff. Because <laughs> you might say something. Uh, fear not. Verse, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It doesn't say this in the King James. And I spent 10 years looking for this scripture, and I finally, God finally got it to me. In the, fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. This is an awesome scripture. Get you an Amplified Bible just for that scripture. But he says there, I like this middle part, I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. You need to believe for that, that God hardens you to difficulties. Now, God gave me this scripture the morning we left for Russia. He knew it was going to be difficult because I am a, uh, a, a uh, softy. I'm not uh, I camping out and going to the bathroom in the woods and that kind of stuff. Miss Debbie don't do those kind of things. I mean, me and Pastor have checked out of the Hilton before. We've checked in and checked out because it just wasn't good enough. That's how person. I'm nearly as bad as Ross, not quite. Uh, Brother Ross, excuse me, call him respectful to his authority too. Fear not, there is nothing to fear. He will harden you to difficulties. What the Lord showed me in this is uh, about yielding to weak things is he wants to, God wants us to be like turtles. He wants us to have a hard outer shell, hardened to difficulty, and a tender heart, soft on the inside. Soft on the inside, but hardened. So, so, so we, if you're like me and I am a softy, I mean, I can get upset in a hotel room and not be able to sleep just because it smells funny. I can. I, I can. I mean, my kids and our kids literally say about us that every time we go on a trip, we have a hotel story when we come back. Either there was an elevator going up and down and we couldn't sleep. There was something. You know, they get jackhammers out when we get to hotels and, and drill holes in the floor. They literally. And, you know, we're just in that. We're in there, boy. We fight, though. It's like, bless God, we're not paying for this. You know, you, I'm in one time in Montgomery. We did not know that there was a bad and a good side to Montgomery. We were new in Alabama. <laughs> and we were all going to the beach. And we had never, it was our first trip to the beach too. And so we went to, uh, we decided, we, had, we were having church on Friday night. What possessed us to do that? I do not know. But anyway, so as soon as church was over, they all said, let's go, let's go, let's leave. And that was before Carter and Caitlin and we could do what we wanted to. And so... <laughs> And so we, they said, let's go, let's go, let's go ahead and leave. And so we already were all packed. We throw our suitcase in the car. And, of course, by the time we got to Montgomery, we're exhausted. You know, we're tired. And so we stay in a Ramada Inn. And it's, not, it's owned by foreign, foreign people. And so Holland and Chris got a room. And Eric, got, we got a roll-away bed. And, and uh, there was no lock on our door. So we had to put Eric's roll-away bed in front of the door just so nobody could get in. And it was too late to, it was like late, so you know, we didn't want to argue about this and anything. But the next morning, we are all out in the car waiting to leave for the beach. And Pastor is in there 
with, he put his little turban on and he's going at it with this Indian guy to get $5 off, off of that bill because there was no lock on the door. That's, I mean, that's how much he saved us. I mean, you know what the point of that story was, I don't know. But <laughs> I lost it. But I'm just saying, uh, if you're like me and you're kind of proponed to can't sleep because it smells bad and, you know, can't, you know, I can just get... And you know, we just have the most, I mean, we have hotel stories. One time in Foley, we go to bed, we're in a hotel in Foley, and somebody starts trying to get in our room with a, and it takes 45 minutes for the Foley police to come and get this indigent guy who has come in and he's trying, he, and he's using our card because we left the card in the, yeah, and one time in Vicksburg, something kind of kept itching us in the night in the best western. But we were on our way to a funeral in Texas, and we get up and look, and there's ants crawling in the bed. We got that one free the next day. Little, you know, sugar ants. <laughs> a motorhome, brother, a motorhome. I could go on and on with hotel stories. But if you have, and I, I'm not through, but I'm going to quit. But if you have a leaning to weakness like that, I'm using my faith. Now, I just sailed through Russia. Well, I mean, I mostly sailed through Russia. God gave me that scripture. It really helped. Because, I mean, I get off that airplane in Moscow, and it scared the liver out of me. Of course, <laughs> this was before 911, and we weren't used to seeing machine guns in the airport. And here's all these Russians standing there with machine guns, and it's they don't have music or nothing playing, and everybody's dark and dreary. Now they even, you know, it was it was scary looking, and it's raining and it's cold in June, and I mean, and so I mostly sailed through it. I mean, I did have one little breakdown where I got to crying one night and couldn't stop. I was kind of laughing and crying. And I was afraid, we had to take our own toilet paper. I was afraid to use it because I thought I might need it. So I used my dirty socks to wipe my eyes. Because <laughs> I was, boy, I was guarding that toilet paper. They don't have any in Russia, you know. <laughs> but I will tell you that God did harden me to difficulties because I made it through. And uh, and uh, when the, and we were going on an eight-hour trip from Moscow to Kavrov, where we started to help start a church, and uh, and so there's no place to stop and go to the bathroom, and uh, so we but well we finally did get to a place halfway and it was kind of a, I guess it would be called a rest stop, but it was more like when I was a little girl we used to go to Fort Griffin State Park in close to Albany, Texas, in Shackelford County. And we stayed in the state park for a three-day family reunion, and they had outhouses. I have used an outhouse because of, and it was one scary place. I'm telling you, that is a dark hole, and you don't know what's in there. <laughs> and, and it smells bad. Well, rest stops in Russia are like outhouses were in the 50s in Shackelford County, Texas. And uh, in state parks. Now we didn't have them in our house, but we had them in the state park. And uh, and so Sister Sue, that was the leader of our group. Uh, she went and said, "Ladies, I'm gonna go check it out." When we stopped, the bus driver stopped, the Russian bus driver, and she went and looked in that outhouse, whatever it was. And when she came out, she said, "Ladies, to the woods." And I made it through the woods, and hallelujah. And, and I'm not to go into detail. <laughs> so God hardened me to difficulties, but we need to believe him. Hallelujah. 
to be hardened to difficulties. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, now you know where Colin got it. He, I tell everything I know. He tells everything. He, he tells all the family secrets. But thank you, Jesus. Because we need to be hard outside. Tough is what I'm talking about. Not, and tender-hearted. And if you're not careful in being hard against problems, you can get hard-hearted. So you have to really guard against that. And ask the Lord to keep your heart tender, but ask Him to toughen you to difficulties. Amen. Okay, and that'll make you stronger in faith. Hallelujah. And I came home, I thought I was a faith giant when I got home from Russia. But then I found out it was just the anointing on me. Because I, mean, I just went right back to my, to my uh, weak ways where hotels and, and outhouses and places like that are concerned. How many of you have ever been in an outhouse in here? Oh, I didn't think anybody. I thought y'all were all too young. Okay, let's stand up. Man, aren't you glad for progress? <laughs>